Hello and welcome to Relationship Rescue, the podcast. Every relationship begins with you. Today is a fabulous day, like one of the best days ever. Why? Because we're alive, you're here, you're listening to me, and today we're going to talk about something so important. Basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how the littlest things at times in childhood, okay, can create within you very vast, deep, um, uh, limiting beliefs about who you are, what you're capable of, what you're supposed to do in life, right? How you're supposed to be treated, how you allow others to treat you. And, um, you know, uh, we call them automatic negative thoughts. I call them, you know, automatic negative thoughts. It can be called deceptive brain messages. Whatever you want to call them, call them. But they sabotage our lives. And they're not easy to change, right? To get rid of these automatic negative thoughts. To stop the deceptive brain messages. However, it's you must change the beliefs that you have, these core limiting beliefs that are deeply bed, embedded in that limbic system, in that hippocampus, in the amygdala area where the experiences are, where the emotions that are tied to those experiences. So when you get triggered, the deceptive brain messages, the um, automatic negative thoughts come, right? And so one of the things is, is what we do is... Um, when we allow ourselves to believe the messages from the brain, right? We are basically ignoring who we are, we're minimizing who we are, and we're neglecting ourselves, okay? So, which is distorting the view of yourself. So, how many times um, have you ever not figured out why you've taken a message uh, or a criti- constructive criticism from your boss, a coworker, and most especially from a partner, um, so personally. So um, I had a client, a younger woman, so smart, right? And um, she had let me know about an interaction that she had with her boss. And that interaction involved... Um, a project that was due and she did a beautiful job on it right and he he told her that okay and he basically said that you know what Um, I'm really happy this is amazing but he mentioned that the next time she needs to try to get the job done earlier so that they you know didn't have to scramble at the last minute well she was devastated by this one corrective comment she was deflated. All the energy, all of her good feelings about the project, how it got done, what it looked like. Guess what? It was drained from her. She could not hold the positive comments he made, right, about the efforts in her mind. She could not. She would, you know, she had worked very hard. She stayed up late, um, you know, making sure everything was perfect. Now, she didn't say anything to him, but the reason it was actually um, late was because, you know what, he kept making last-minute changes. And 
um, she was running around at the 11th hour because of the changes he was making. And it wasn't her fault, you know, that the, the, the that this was going out a little bit later or, you, you know, um, than they anticipated. But it was really good. It was, But it was his inability to be clear about what he wanted in the first place that caused the delay. But she knew this. But what, guess what? She kept doubting herself, running the events of how it transpired over and over through her mind. And she feels like, what, a loser yet again. I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser. And, you know, I asked, well, well you know, um, why are you taking this so personally? You know, what, 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 is, what is it about that comment? And um, she's like, well, it's my boss. You know, I have to do whatever he asks and the way he asks for it, you know. Um, I, re I realized that basically she's saying that I should have figured out exactly what he wanted. I just wasn't paying attention. You know, um, maybe he did tell me what, I, you know, he wanted, but I missed it. You know, I'm the problem. It's my fault. And what I pointed out to her next was that your deceptive brain messages, your automatic negative thought is basically telling you that you need to be perfect. That, she, you know, she's constantly minimizing her abilities, the contributions, by always, you know, buying into events that, that, that there could be one tiny little negativity about it that wasn't, isn't even a negativity, just, you know, a little uh, constructive criticism, a, a, a just a, a, a speaking about the most minute detail, right? I'm not saying there's any way that I would have told her to tell you about her boss, obviously. <laughs> well, you know what, buddy? This is your freaking fault. You're the one that got changed. No. It's about realizing, okay, you know what? This is my job. This is what he said. It's it's not um, the end of the world. He told me, you know, I did a great job. It's amazing, you know, all of these things. But also, is it part of the job, right? So, so, but when your automatic negative thoughts tell you you're not good enough, tell you you need perfection, then you're going to get upset in most situations, you know. And the thing is, is that most people want me to tell them, you know, why are they overanalyzing? Why are they overthinking in every action, interaction that they have, right? Why can't I just drop it and move on with life? Well, those, those messages are false, right? And um, where did they come from? And so are they, uh, you know, these, these messages um, and unhealthy habits, is it biology, childhood, environment, bad luck, something else? What is it? Well, here's the thing. I think for, if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you understand that humans are incredibly complicated beings, right? We have a system that is pretty much unbreakable when it, you know, as we're programmed throughout the years. The way the mind interacts with the brain and so it's and, and there's so many intricate and um, complex ways that shape how we think and what we do 
so what happens is that um, we have this incredible ability to absorb, you know, information, which is amazing. But guess what? When we are um, learning and adapting in healthy and unhealthy ways in childhood, we're kind of in trouble. So, you know, and of course I, I get the, um, she, you know, everything was great in my childhood. There was nothing wrong. We lived a comfortable life. This, that, this, you know, mom and dad were great. Uh, my uh, blah, blah, blah. And I never am ever, ever, ever am about, um, making up things about somebody's childhood to, you know, show them, oh no, you actually had a really bad, you know, never, no, 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 no. But there's always something in there because you don't come to perfectionism and never feeling good enough without for without a reason, right? So, um, you know, you, you, no one beat you maybe, right? Nobody was screaming at you all the time. Um, you know, you had a good group of friends, you know, you don't remember having any problems at school or whatever. But there's always some little messages that you're getting on and off throughout the childhood. And um, when you can start paying attention to the negative comments in your head, you know, the automatic negative thoughts, put a name to it, a voice, a face. I named mine, you know, the when, when I'm hearing my deceptive brain messages and when my automatic negative thoughts and my clients laugh at this, but they're, you know, I... Freddy Krueger. What did Freddy Krueger do? Freddy Krueger came in and, and disrupted your dreams. He he took everything. He killed you in your dreams. And that's what automatic negative thoughts will do. They take away your dreams. They take away your life. They change the trajectory of everything that you do when you listen to these um, automatic negative thoughts. So what was Freddy Krueger? He, he was a dream thief, right? So I will say... You know, when the, if an inner, the inner critic comes up or, um, you know, for me, it's, it's really the do more, do more, the pusher. Um, I'll say, oh, okay, yeah, not today, Freddie, not today. Just go to hell, go back to your nasty little place because not today, not ever. I'm not listening to you. Right. And, but you got to learn to identify them in the, and you have to learn to figure out why am I getting these? What are the beliefs that are creating these automatic negative thoughts, right? And, and then you have to heal the beliefs. But anyways, so this client remembered a time when, you know, family's out for ice cream. She gets her ice cream, falls on the ground. Her brother calls her a loser. Her mother says, you know what? If you can't be more careful, you're not getting ice cream tonight. And, you know, and he, the brother's mock, mocking her and, you know, um, and basically, Sarah, she was told that this would be a, you know what, a lesson. You need to be careful, more careful. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on the things in life and people. And then, you know, people won't trust you. And you're not going to be worthy of these important tasks. You know, and that seems so inconsequential, right? Really, it does. But it was the start of paying attention to not being perfect and that if she's not more careful good things are basically she, she's not it's not going to happen right so it's this negative thoughts 
about being a loser, okay, and that, and those thoughts kept building. And also then she, she did, she lived in a household where she was criticized a lot for not being perfect, right? So if you live in, if you're, if you're inner critic, I want you to start thinking about this. Do the, most likely, okay, because the inner critic always follows the same patterns and has the same voice as a parent. So who's, which parental voice are you hearing? Because that's who your inner critic is, right? So what are you going to do about this, right? See, because, so what happens is that when we're re, you know, we, when we get these inaccurate messages from the past, okay, and these are adopted into our psyche, um, it's really hard to connect with people on an emotional level when you have these negative thoughts about not being good enough, about not who you are is not okay, which is actually the belief, but the automatic negative thought is basically, I'm not perfect. And the sense of safety and security um, is gone. And this in, in feeling safe and secure in a relationship is so important. So, um, our first and most important relationships were, you know, with our caregivers. That's who we bonded with, right? So they are the ones that are supposed to give us food, shelter, safety, love, affection. And everything about us, all of our fundamental, you know, physical and emotional needs needed to be provided by, and we look to be them, we have them provided by our parents, right? Well, now, if you're in... A supportive environment it's you know what there's it's gonna it's, it's gonna be a lot different <laughs> than if you're not and when you have a parent pushing for perfectionism it's gonna be really difficult for you to to quiet that inner critic quiet that voice within you right so so what do you do well okay well, let's let's first let, let let me first talk about the safe zone, okay? Which is basically the the emotional safe zone in childhood was critical because it provided you with what the necessary training ground on how to be emotionally um, emotionally what do you call it um, emotionally uh, healthy, and when you are not learning that and getting that emotional safety, you're not going to feel emotionally safe when you're an adult. So if you're not getting the lesson necessary training on how to deal with your true emotions, true emotions, which is, you know, anger, sadness, grief, fear, happiness, anxiety in a constructive way. Okay. Which basically means that you have not been taught about allowing these emotions and expressing them you'll begin suppressing them. And if you're suppressing them, what happens when you're suppressing them? Okay, well, guess what? Um, your true needs and the emotions will never get met, right? So, so how, you know, how did you, how did you um, learn to expand, ex expound, um, externalize? What did you do with these emotions? You keep them bottled up. You keep them bottled up. Now, if if your caregivers were 
just a little bit, relatively emotionally available. And they responded to your needs and, you know, and emotions most of the time. You would have felt pretty soothed and safe, understood and loved. You know, so if you cried and you fell and your mom showed, you know, concern, guess what? Okay, well, then you're not going to become overly dramatic, upset or alarmed by that event. You would have walked away from that experience calm and confused, calm and um, comforted, right? So basically you're this, the, the, the limbic system, the, the, or the, the central nervous system, the one that says, oh, oh, we're in deep shit trouble here. It's, it's not. It, it's not being triggered. It's not being alarmed. Why? Because you're soothed by your mom's interest in you, the love, the caring, the affection. And that loving action by your mom, what does it do? It teaches you that your true needs and emotions are important, right? And it basically um, provides you with examples of how to choose healthy responses to soothe yourself. Now, obviously, this is just a tiny, small example, but I want you to see how that works. So when you were hurting, if you were allowed to express yourself, you're going to learn how to express your needs and in, 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 in emotions in a healthy way. That's why mirroring was so important with your, you know, if, if somebody, if you saw your mom, if your mom responded to your happy face and you responded, and if your mom, you were sad and she, you know, soothed you, all of those things were so important because, um, you're learning that it's safe and acceptable to be you and that some and and that it's okay to have these emotions right we don't have to have perfect caregivers but we need them to respond to our needs emotions and interests in a genuine way most of the time and acknowledge and even apologize for the times when they failed to meet our true needs. Because as a child, you deserve those needs to be met. And everything that happens, you are absorbing during childhood. You're absorbing. So now what happens if your caregivers, you know, don't meet your our legitimate cries or, you know, overreact when something happened, just, you know, disregarded or minimized, you, you know, your fears smothered us, catastrophized about what might happen, used our needs to control us, or did not show interest in our activities, our lives, or emotions. Well, guess what? Those actions by your caregiver leads us in our brain to conclude that our genuine thoughts, emotions, interests, and feelings do not matter. And it also signaled to us that we are not safe. So that starts the central nervous system that that shit we're in trouble center to be <laughs> to be triggered. So this repetitive firing of shit we're in trouble center leads to chronic distress, anxiety, and what does the brain do? It looks for ways to calm. And what do we choose? What are the coping mechanisms we choose? Unhealthy habits usually. So these this is learned behavior, right? So if you were told to suck it up when you're crying, it was no big deal. You're a crybaby. If you're deval devalued, you're ignored, you're minimized, neglected, you know, guess what? <laughs> you, your reactions as an adult 
are going to be the same that is whatever they were as a child. You might act out. You might hold it in. You, um, you know, it, it, it's basically however you began coping and responding to stress in childhood is what you're carrying into adult, adulthood. So let's say that you did fall as a child, right? Well, what's, what, let's, what happens if your mom was completely overwhelmed and stressed and even became annoyed that you fell? Okay. Well, this is what happened to my client, by the way. Every time this, and by the way, this is many of my clients, but every time she needed, and most of my clients needed their caregiver to understand and, and basically attune to their needs and emotions. Unfortunately, they receive a different message that she, they would only be loved and accepted if they were perfect and did not bother anyone with their true emotions or needs. So when these repeated interactions are happening, you start to see yourself as a burden. Somebody who is not worthy of unconditional love, not worthy of acceptance, not worthy of affection. Okay, so then, oh my gosh, well, then you become what? Chronically anxious and conclude that, you know what, you're the problem. You're, you're, you know what, you're not that important. Just be quiet. Don't be seen. Don't be heard. So... When people are, um, they have no ability to be emotionally available to you as their, your caregiver, right? Um, instead of you being able to look at it like that as, as a child and say, my mom is unable to do this. She's emotionally disconnected or, you know, um, this is what my brother was or this is what my dad was, whatever, right? Um, we believe that we do not matter. So what, what do we do? Well, we devalue ourselves. We neglect our true emotions and needs just as our caregivers did. So we begin to what? Second guess ourselves, demean ourselves. And when we feel like we're disappointing someone else, a boss, a friend, a partner, we begin to blame ourselves. I know it's so sad, isn't it? Right. So it's just so sad, you know, and we go through life assuming we're the problem. We are the problem. And we believe we're, you know, we can't see ourselves as a person that deserves love, compassion, understanding, caring. So, you know, we, we have a need and a desire to be seen, heard, understood and loved for who we are. And when you're not able to connect with the important people in your life by being able to express your true emotions and needs to them as a child, you certainly are not going to be able to do it as an adult. So the, the message is that you keep getting the automatic negative thoughts. They keep, you know what, you from believing that you are worthy of genuine connections. And that leads you to what? Considerable pain, sadness, grief. And you keep suppressing your true needs and emotions. 
And the, you know what? And the more you buy into these messages, the more entrenched they become. And they're associated responses of anxiety, depression, excessive anger, addictions, miscommunication. And unless you do something to change the perspective on these brain messages, to heal those beliefs and allow your true self emotions and needs to arrive, right? And begin to see yourself from a loving, caring view as your inner being sees you, as your true, um, the inner guide within, God within you sees you, your very wise advocate that lives inside you, that resides within you, your intuition, you're going to stay stuck. So, again, if your caregivers repeatedly focus their intention, their attention, you know, in loving carrying ways on your genuine needs and emotions, you would have learned to do the same thing. Then your brain would have learned that tending to and caring about yourself was a priority, which would have caused what? Guess what? Your brain to wires, wire in ways that would allow you, allow you to automatically notice and value those emotions, needs, and interests from a balanced and, and a, from a um, loving perspective. Now, guess what though? If your needs and emotions were ignored, dismissed, neglected, you were given these you know covert messages that you were a problem, that your emotional needs and reactions did not matter, you would have learned that you should not tend to your distress in a balanced way, but rather you should endure it. Okay, because this is how your caregivers approach your genuine distress. So in essence, what have you been taught? In essence, what have you been taught? That your emotions are either inconsequential or something to be hysterical about. And then both of those approaches, guess what, they, what, what feelings do they lead you to? What feelings will they lead you to? Helplessness, anxiety, depression. And guess what? You also learned you were supposed to live with these sensations of anxiety and depression. That, you know what? That these uncomfortable physical and emotional uh, sensations are normal to be expected. And what happens is then from those lessons, you have adopted the same unhealthy, maladaptive approaches to your distress, which are what? What are those approaches to your stress? Ignoring, minimizing, dismissing. Three words. I want you to remember this. Ignoring, minimizing, dismissing. Which leads to what? Fear, insecurity, anxiety, depression. And it's an endless cycle of attempting to avoid pain and pursue pleasure. So, do you really think this is going to help you get into a healthy relationship? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just, I'm laughing, not because this is funny, but because, God, I hope you're getting it. I really hope you're getting it. I hope that you're understanding that you have 
no chance of being in a healthy relationship in a, in a way that serves you and the relationship. If that is what you have learned, right? Because when you're habitually dismissing and devaluing your emotions and needs, those unhealthy responses is going to strongly discount, strongly, and I mean strongly discount any of the positive information about you that comes in. You will never believe any of it. You will stay stuck in imposter syndrome, perfectionism, you know, all these things. And of course, all the other things I've talked about, the way we react and our fears and, and all of that stuff. And as long as we um, remain unaware and we don't heal this, we are a slave to our triggers. I'm going to repeat it again. You are a slave to your triggers. And nothing will change. So, like, you know... Uh, so if someone's rude to you, they're insensitive, or they act entitled, right? What do you, what what is your what is a thought that might come to you or a brain deceptive message? You're not important. You don't deserve to of equal treatment. Meanwhile, this person is a rude, sensitive, insensitive prick, and you're believing that you're not important and you just you don't deserve equal treatment. Um, let's say you say no to someone. You're asserting what's best for you, right? Well, if you try that, a lot of people have this, this deceptive, you know, automatic thought, brain message that says, you know what, you're harming the other person. You're selfish. Uh, let's say communication has gone just off the charts. It's not working. The communication is breaking down. And... Um, you perceive someone is hurt or upset by what you said. So you are the problem. You must take care of others and make them the priority. Put them first. Someone gives you a compliment. You perceive someone likes you. You must do what they ask. You must sacrifice what you want and need. Because guess what? You have to please them. Right? Because, oh my gosh, if you don't please them, they might see your imperfections. Because you are so imperfect and you don't deserve anything. And it will ruin your life. Part two coming up. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Rescue. Every relationship begins with you. If you are ready to change this, if you are ready to heal, if you're ready to look at your side of the street, figure out what to do, how to heal, how to stop this, how to be in a healthy relationship, you can click the link in the show notes, set up your free initial 45-minute call. Have a good day, a good evening, a good morning, wherever you are. Sending much love.